Today's episode is brought to you by McLean Middleton, providing trusted legal services to businesses throughout the region for over 100 years. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Down to Business. I'm Amanda Andrews, Managing Editor for New Hampshire Business Review, joined, as always, by Mike Cody, the editor for New Hampshire Business Review and New Hampshire Magazine. Thanks, Amanda. Today's guests, we have Phil Taub, the co-founder of Swim With a Mission, and Scott Heider, the founder and president of Hidden Battles Foundation. So welcome, gentlemen. Um, it's great to have you both here. And um, primarily, we're going to be focusing a lot on how Swim With a Mission helps raise its funds for veteran services in the state of New Hampshire. Um, and Scott is uh, along with that. So we are going to get into it by... Uh, talking to Phil a little bit. Phil, thank you again for coming. And um, if you could start by giving us a rundown of what the nonprofit does, your mission, and um, sort of your passion and all of it. Well, thank you so much, Amanda and Mike. It's great to, to be with you on your amazing podcast. We love all the work that you're doing here in New Hampshire. And of course, great to be with Scott Hyder, an amazing veteran, and his story. I can't wait for you to hear his story of how he's changing lives of veterans with his organization, Hidden Battles. So look, in a nutshell, uh, back in 2016, uh, my wife, Julie, and I uh, really started to become much more aware of um, all the issues that a big a big part of our population, our veteran population, is, is struggling with, was then, still struggling with now. And it was, it was like peeling back an onion. You know, we met some veterans who were telling me, we don't know where to find services. And I'd be like, go to the VA. And the VA does work for about a third of our veterans. And, and for those veterans, they do a good job, but it doesn't work for all of our veterans. And our veterans are in different places and and they're, they're struggling with things like, sometimes it's something very, very tough, like a traumatic brain injury, um, you know, or, you know, it could be a loss of a limb. But sometimes it's just the loss of like their teammates and a loss of a purpose, something greater than themselves and having a really tough time finding a good job and reintegrating into a civilian society. And and so as we started to meet more veterans, you know, we became aware of how big this problem really is. And so my wife and I, and, and we have been blessed to be involved with a lot of charities and we're pretty good at raising money. Uh, we're not veterans ourselves. Uh, so we didn't know a lot about what services to provide. You know, you'll hear in contrast from Scott in a little bit, he's a veteran. He knows exactly what other veterans need, right? We weren't in that situation. But what was very clear to us was that we have a lot of great veteran service organizations in New Hampshire, more than 40 of them. But none of them knew, know each other at that time, back in 2016. None of them knew each other, or almost none of them knew each other. The VA did not know any of them. They weren't working together. They were kind of in these little silos. And all of them could benefit from more resources, which includes more money, more money, more volunteers. So our thesis was very simple when we started, was we were going to put on this little, we, we thought a little, little swim race up at beautiful Newfound Lake, right? The cleanest lake in all of the Northeast of America, right? Very blessed in New Hampshire to have this beautiful lake. You know, I'm a swimmer. A lot of my friends are swimmers and triathletes. We're like, we'll put on a little, a little swim race up at beautiful Newfound Lake. And we'll try to raise some money and we'll give it to some veteran service organizations so they'll have more money, right? And very lucky for us, this is the way like the universe works. 
right before we started our event, we ran into a group of Navy SEALs down in Florida. And I invited them to come up and they agreed to come up. And I remember I made little signs and I went all around the lakes region putting up signs. The Navy SEALs are coming. The Navy SEALs are coming. And so, you know, hundreds of swimmers showed up, okay, that first year. And more than 1,500 people, this is crazy, showed up to see the Navy SEALs. And put, they put on a demonstration and stuff. And we were really hoping to raise about $45,000. And we ended up raising $450,000. And so when we started to sprinkle that money around, we quickly realized like, okay, because we're asking all these groups, what do you do? How many veterans do you service? You know, we started to realize it's like a jigsaw puzzle. When you started to put it together, we quickly started to realize like there's no art therapy in New Hampshire. And art therapy, which uses the left side of your brain, where a lot of traumatic trauma is, is very good for anybody going through something really tough, right? Even if you know anything about art, any kind of art. And so we created one with the help of the Korean Museum. We got the Korea and the VA and Veterans County. We created one, right? And we funded one. And we did this kind of stuff. We started filling in gaps, right? And then the SEALs came back and we added paintball with a mission, you know, which is this epic team building day. It sounds scarier than it actually is, but you get lots of, you know, there's a lot of SEALs. There's more than 30 of them, mostly from SEAL Team 6. And they talk to you about how to really build teams like they do in the military and leadership and mental toughness. And then you literally play paintball with the Navy SEALs, right? Which a little scary, but fun, right? <laughs> and you learn a lot. And and that's become the most successful, like literally paintball event in, in the world. Like we raise over a million dollars just on that day because we have all these great companies from all over New Hampshire and outside New Hampshire come in and make that a team building day. And we do this incredible tribute dinner to our Gold Star families, the the the, the families that have that have lost their their loved ones in service, and we can never forget. And so the evolution of Swim with a Mission from just fundraising, because now, in since 2016, we have actually raised and given away 9.8 million dollars now in this short period of time. And so we know a lot about what everybody's doing. And we're solving problems like where do veterans find services and making sure that veterans don't fall through the cracks by doing things like holding an annual summit where we get all the veteran organizations together and they all show up. And now they all know each other. And now they know who to call if you're working with a veteran for a service dog, but they can't afford dog food. Instead of saying, no, I'm sorry, we can't help you. They know to call Veterans Count, we'll pay for the dog food. Or maybe you need mental health counseling and they know who to call there before you get a dog, right? Because every veteran's on a different journey. So we've become this organization that not only raises money and supports, you know, very strategically where we think the money is most needed. And I'll talk about this some more in a little bit about how to reduce suicide. We've become like this overlay, you know, on top of the entire organ, uh, on top of the whole community, helping these organizations work better together. And Scott can talk about his own experience with that. And and then this whole never forget campaign of making sure that we never forget all of those that we've lost. The our freedom is not free, and it comes at a very heavy sacrifice. So we wrote a book about our veterans. You know, we have a radio show called Got Your Six. Uh, we spend a lot of time in the media, and opportunities like this, Amanda and Mike, that you've given us, you know, is just part of the story, giving us the opportunity to talk more about veterans. So we're very grateful for you. Well, thank you. 
Um, and that's very important what you what you do. And I know you spoke a little bit about this um, at our annual Business Excellence Awards where you were a recipient this year. And um, and just just to give everything that you and uh, your your wife have done is tremendous and such a huge support to the community. So um, I'm glad that we could have you up there um, to share your story. Um, so thank you. But also I'm, I'm more intrigued now just to hear from Scott a little bit um, before we dig into some yeah. of the other stats. Um, Scott, I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of your background and um, about the Hidden Battles Foundation. Sure. So uh, I'm a 10-year Army vet. I'm a disabled veteran uh, and I'm a retired police officer. And um, Hidden Battles was almost found by mistake and by accident. Um, my brother was a corrections officer and he had taken his life um, after you know 20 years in, in service. And I was really struggling with a lot of that. Um, so I had gotten involved in suicide prevention, but I was really kind of masking what was going on, my own my own trauma and, and experiences I was dealing with through the Army and being a police officer. So I started to reach out to all my Army buddies and say, what can I do? I'm not doing well mentally. And um, one thing people need to understand is you can have mental health and post-traumatic stress and not be suicidal. Um, but it is a... It, untreated, it can lead to that. So I wasn't suicidal, but I was really bad. It was affecting my my home life, my my personal uh, health, and everything. So I started to ruck, which is a, a military term for backpack hiking. So I started to ruck a lot. And I eventually was like, you know what, this is helping me, but I, I'm still, I'm missing my community. When I got out of the military, I really missed community. And that's why I became a police officer, thinking I was going to find that community again. So what I did is I started rocking and I started using social media for what it's intended, you know, positive stuff. And I reached out to a bunch of, um, you know, military groups on social media and said, you know, I'm, I'm a, an army vet. I'm struggling. I'm meeting on Wednesday nights. I'm rocking here if anybody wants to join me. And by accident, what happened is people started to join me. And I realized that this was bigger than, it, than I was and that I was a lot of other veterans out there struggling. And then people were showing up who were supporting veterans, just wanted to be there to see how they could help out because they didn't really know how to help out. So um, by accident, Hidden Battles was founded. Um, we wanted to do, originally wanted to just do a scholarship in my brother's name and raise about 1500 bucks. And we said, all right, well, this is what we'll do. We'll start something and we'll do a little fundraising. We'll sell t-shirts and whatever. And um, what happened was it had exploded. We had gotten a lot of money started coming in and we would start to think, all right, so how do these programs and how can we help other people? Because it's not just rocking. We have to really mix it up because not everybody can rock good and it's not really for them. So we actually came up with a bunch of different programs to really pique the interest of other individuals. But not only that, we actually started to think of how we can help individuals other than themselves. You know, so we started to invite the spouses and support unit to these, uh, you know, cooking classes, art classes, um, hikes and family days. So then we start to invite the families to it because we understand that to help the individual, we really need to give them that support system. And we need to support that family because they're getting secondary drama. Now, the wonderful thing that happened to me was we were up at Newfound Lake. We have a place up there and we were driving around the lake one day and we saw these signs that were out everywhere saying the Navy SEALs are coming. So we said, what is this all about? So we ended up coming to the first one and Phil was really busy that day. And I wanted to talk to him because we had started Hidden Battles the same, around the same time that Phil had started um, Swim at the Mission. And I wanted to talk to him and say, trying to pick his brain because I, I'm, I'm not 
the brightest person on the planet. And I reach out to other people for advice and guidance. And Phil has been that for me. He's been my my guidance and my advice. And thank God he doesn't bill me for his time because I don't know why I'd do it myself. But <laughs> a couple of years later, we had connected and I asked him if I could just put a tent just to get my name out there, just to let people know that we were there and we do a bunch of different activities to pique uh, certain interests. And Phil said, yeah, you can have a tent. And we kind of sat and talked and understood what each other's mission was and he has supported us and 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 become a partner of ours it's like and i can't even measure the impact he's had on us not even the the finances are huge but he's given us the guidance to understand that how we can build our community and be positive um especially when i come to him all the time and i said all right what do you think of this and he's like this is what you should do and this is a good way of looking at it and he's become a sound mind so Phil has become the, another community for us to jump into because he's a good community for me to get my knowledge and, and guidance from. But he's developed this community of other nonprofits that we never would have met before or it would have taken us years to meet. So we all rely on each other now, like Phil had touched on. Like Hidden Battles is good with activity-driven stuff, but we do not do homelessness. We do not do healthcare. We don't do certain things that now I can say, oh, I met these guys at the summit and I might be jumping way too uh, ahead on this, but we've met this network now, this community now up in here in the New Hampshire to say, I can't help. However, we have this person that can help. And now we have a network that is actually able to take up and pick up the slack where it's been dropped for our veterans. Scott, I want to go back just a bit for the sense of community. As you said, you joined the, uh, the police department trying to get that sense of community you had in the military. Sounds like you didn't quite find it. Tell me what you were looking for and and so, and what you know how you found it. Later. So when I so I got out in two thousand and two, I got out pre uh, war and terror, global war and terror. So when I got out, um, I was a disabled veteran. However, I had gone, I had gotten into a police department where I think it was only one of three veterans. And I really was missing that camaraderie. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a dark humor. Um, we can relate to stories and we process trauma a little different. Uh, we have our own lingo. We have our own culture. So when I went to the police department, I I was still lacking that. And I never really grasped that with those guys. And they're a great bunch of guys, just not really, you know, what I was looking Experience. for. Sure. Yeah. So what happened was I when I... I'd gotten hurt at work and that's what I was out. I had a neck injury at work and I was out and that's when all now idle hands are just coming. And that's when my mental health started really sinking and I started not being really well. So that's when I started reaching out to my army buddies because I knew that they would understand what I was going through. Mm -hmm. And that's what they told me. They said, you got to get up, you got to get out, you got to keep moving. And that's what really drove me to get up off the couch and get out and do it because I become the great pretender. I could get my house clean, laundry done, everything in an hour. But those other eight hours that my wife was at work, I was on the couch. I was down and out. I was not doing anything and I wasn't healthy at all. And that's what I was doing. And she'd go, wow, you're really busy today. I should, I would become a millionaire if I wrote a book on how to do your housekeeping, you know, housekeeping in one hour. I would, but, <laughs> but that's what I was. I was pretending that I was good and I was not good, not at all. So when I got out and I started moving, I, I realized that that's what I needed to do. And I knew that there was others out there like me that needed to do it. Thanks, Scott. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Mm -hmm. 
McLean Middleton is one of New England's premier full-service law firms, with headquarters in Manchester, New Hampshire, and offices in Concord and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and Woburn in Boston, Massachusetts. McLean Middleton has over 100 attorneys in five locations and has been providing trusted legal services to businesses throughout the region for over 100 years. A full-service law firm with practice areas in corporate, tax, employment, litigation, trusts and estates, energy and environment, intellectual property and privacy, and data security, to name just a few. McLean Middleton's commitment to their clients, community, and colleagues has helped them to establish and maintain long-standing relationships as trusted advisors. Whether you are starting your business, growing your business, or preparing to sell your business, McLean Middleton has the experience to guide you through the complexities of the legal system. For a complete listing of their practice areas, attorneys, and locations, visit www.mclane.com. Yeah, and that that just goes to show how challenging it is for veterans in New Hampshire, well, everywhere, but in, in New Hampshire specifically that we're speaking to. And I know, Phil, you touched on the severity of um, veteran suicide here in New Hampshire. So is, if there are there um, other issues, challenges that you're helping to um, bridge the gap or to help increase services to um, the certain population of veterans that we have? Yeah, I, I really think the the number one thing is the mental health issues. And and look, we have a mental health crisis in our entire community. It's not alone with veterans, you know, but the veterans, our veterans have some unique issues because some of it starts, you know, with all the deployments, right, and, and the service. You know, just to, and I, I've talked to you, Mike and Amanda, about this before, but for your listeners, let's just put this sort of in context, right? So the, the war and terror, right, which started back in 9-11, you know, which is the longest war in the history of our country. In New Hampshire, 94 of our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines have lost their lives downrange in places like Afghanistan and Iraq. 94, right? In that same period of time, more than 800 have come home safely to New Hampshire and taken their own lives. And so in New Hampshire, every eight days, Eight days from now, eight days ago, today, you know, every eight days, another veteran takes their own life. And and these statistics in New Hampshire are not higher or lower than anywhere else in the country. You know, those what well, the numbers I'm telling you relative to our population, you know, just under 1.4 million, you know, is the same. And and so this has been going on for quite a long time now. And I think we have a responsibility to do something about it. And so our thesis, the way we think about reducing veteran suicide in our community, you know, has, you know, I sort of put it in a few buckets, right? The first bucket is the stuff that Scott is doing at Hidden Battles, right? One of the things Scott's really good at is finding veterans in distress and pulling them out of their homes, kind of like Scott's own story, right? And getting them together with other veterans, because because our veterans are taught in the military to be self-sufficient, to solve their own problems. Our veterans are very, very tough, right? Very, very strong, which kind of makes it worse, if you will. And if I've learned anything, and, and Scott has taught me this, but I've seen it all over the place, is in order for veterans to sort of make that first step, they need to hear from another veteran. So I can tell you about many examples of, I've seen this with my own eyes. 
Scott will meet a veteran and be like, how are you doing? And they're like, fine. And Scott will look at them and he knows they're not doing fine. How are you really doing? And then they break down, right? And Scott will tell them his story of how he overcame the issues he had. And that empowers them to feel like, okay, this is okay. Because also a lot of veterans are like, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need help. There's always someone who deserves help more than me. And they have to feel like, no, I deserve the help, right? So hearing from other veterans. So these kinds of things, rucking and, uh, you know, recreational retreats, going fishing, you know, going skiing, you know, canoeing, all of these things, hiking gets veterans out of their homes together with other veterans who then tell these veterans and listen to them, but tell them their own stories, right? And then once we have a veteran that's really ready to accept some help, we got to get them to those places. We got to get them to equine immersion programs. There's an incredible thing. We can do a whole episode on this about horses and people and what this incredible relationship between horses and people. Uh, there are service and support dogs, you know, which, you know, we, every time I find out there's a waiting list, we clear that waiting list. We, whatever it takes, we, we pay to clear those waiting lists. No veteran should be waiting for a service dog or a support dog, right? Uh, art therapy programs uh, that we talked about earlier. Art therapy is a great thing. More mental health uh, counseling and, and caregivers and so forth. And then and then the third bucket uh, of all of this, I would say, is that we need a greater awareness in our community. Our community happens to be a really patriotic community. New Hampshire is a very patriotic place, starting with our live free or die motto, compared to a lot of other states. But you know, when was the last time you saw a big story about veterans in the press, right? There's a lot of story about politics and it, it was COVID for three years and, you know, there's the war in Ukraine and there's now there's a war in Israel and and it just goes on and on and on. Where is all the, the talk about veterans? And so we just need a greater awareness of that, mental health issues. And, and so getting all of these organizations to work together so that nobody falls through the cracks is very important. And the last piece I'll just say is, when I asked the caregivers in New Hampshire that care for veterans, what do you think we really need? They told me affordable housing, another big community-wide problem, not just for veterans. And so with Governor Sununu's help, uh, I was able to get money, $23 million from the state. And Easter Seals, an incredible organization in New Hampshire led by Maureen Beauregard, stepped up and said, we'll do it. And so Maureen Beauregard and Easter Seals signed a contract with the state. They got the money. And East Seals is leading this, this campus that they're putting together in Franklin, where there will be affordable housing. And all of our veteran service organizations will hopefully be on that campus with the VA and the state all together. And that will be the first time anywhere in America that something like that exists. And so our veterans will know this is where you get services, and hopefully nobody will fall through the cracks. And I think the cumulative effect of all of these things, we believe with all of our hearts, is going to make all the difference in the world. That's a major step forward. And I know we've shared some some stories on that effort that you're doing with Easter Seals. And I almost wish that could be, you know, like in every county in the state and just have a hub. And that is just a, a gigantic leap forward, I think, in the in the right direction. So I can't wait. Yeah. Thank um, you. Hopefully it becomes a model, Amanda, right? It's yeah. a it's a model that other other parts of our state and then other I mean, there's no reason why Vermont and Maine and Rhode Island and Connecticut you know, they all shouldn't just be copying what we do. I hope that's what happens. Bill, as we talk about mental health among veterans, it just reminds me of how for the past few years, mental health 
in general across all our demographics has been become such a huge problem and 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 you know we talk about taking away the stigma and getting people help what what can just people in general learn from what you've learned with veterans groups about dealing with mental health yeah actually let's let's go and answer that question because you know having lived through it himself and helping so many veterans if you don't mind mike of course well let's well let's scott because it does start with this idea of like getting rid of that stigma but but go ahead scott I think it's it's just the to break that barrier of somebody to get help because like Phil said we're mentally tough and we're you know we're very resilient. However, when we need help in the field, we ask for help in the field. But we've been we've been taught pretty much like suck it up, buttercup, and a bunch of wonderful other little terms to kind of suppress everything that's bothering us to, to support and go through the mission. Where I think what a lot of people don't understand is it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to ask people if they need help. A lot of the times we have a radio show and we tell people all the time, don't be afraid to ask somebody if they're if they're going to harm themselves. Because a lot of people, what they do is they worry that if this person says, yes, I'm going to harm myself, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? You don't have to say anything. You need to listen. All right. There's an acronym that we use. It's wait. Why am I talking? Listen to people. If you listen to what they're going to talk to you about, that's what they want. And it's hard for us to start talking. And it's also very easy to go to 988. If you go to 988, they will guide you if you are the person in crisis or if you know somebody in crisis. So where we're starting to eliminate a lot of the where do I go, what do I do type of things, we just need people to really look out for each other. And where we go back to what Phil was saying, the, the community and where New Hampshire is picking up the slack for a lot of other things that have been should be in place. When people come home from deployments, it is amazing. The yellow ribbon programs are awesome. Everybody meets this fanfare and confetti. But that confetti settles. And what happens is you have these young adults, you know, 22-year-old men, which in, right, they're still kids in a sense, but they're coming home to people that don't really understand what they've been through. And the only time they see people that they can relate to is on drill weekends or Army Reserve weekends or Air Force weekends or whatever. So they have a whole month of sitting in solitude, not knowing who they're going to talk to and who can they really reach out to to understand them. So I think when we talk about community, community is huge for that. And for us to get out through the communities, through whether it's media, social media, or just regular newspapers or whatever, that help is out there for these veterans. And that's the biggest problem is just letting people know that the help is there because they don't know really where to go. Especially when you're in depression, you're not really looking for help. But family members should know what the signs and symptoms are for depression. They should know what the signs and symptoms are for suicide. And they should be able to go and openly ask these loved ones, are you okay? Do you need help? And how can I help you? And I think that's the biggest problem is identifying the need for these individuals. Because everybody comes home different from war or deployments or the military. But you have to understand it's okay to have the conversation. Don't be afraid to have the conversation because the conversation will open up the door that can get you help. Thanks, Scott. That was well said. As we as we wrap up here, I'm I I just want to hear from each of you sort of um, lasting thoughts that you want to share with our listeners, or maybe there's something coming up that you want to share um, so people can know. Yeah, I, I'll go first and and just say that, um, you know, if you're listening to this and, and whether it's veterans or it's another cause that you're passionate about, I would just say that 
you know, anything is possible if you put the time and effort in. And, and I think your listeners heard from myself and Scott, we both had sort of low expectations, you know, but when we started it, but, but we both were very passionate when we started about what we're doing. And if you have that passion and if you surround yourself by great people and who have the same heart as you and are ready to run hard next to you, and you have a vision and you set big goals, anything is possible. If I tell you that uh, what we have done has involved thousands of donors and volunteers, it's not just one person or five people or 10. And the result of that has, has been that tens of thousands of people have had their lives changed. And that's just because, you know, one day Julie and I said enough, we're going to do something about this. So I, I hope if someone's listening to this, whatever their passion is for helping out community, that they will, you know, get off the couch, so to speak, to use Scott's words, and just go do it, right? Because it really, at the end of the day, it's up to all of us. It's just us. I couldn't agree with you anymore. I, I My philosophy on me, um, who runs programs, is my person, my thing is one person at a time. Um, I try to set my goal to help every day, help one person. Um, it, a lot of the times it's more than that, but if I aim to change the life of one veteran or a spouse or family member a day, then I'm doing what we, we will set out to accomplish. Um, you don't have to think big. Like Phil said, you, you help just we're listen, we're New Hampshire. We're not the biggest state, but we have the biggest heart and we're out there trying to help each other out constantly helping our neighbors. But if you think of that, if you have the passion and drive and you want to help people, you by all means start small. Find an organization in your area that you feel that you can help out. You don't have to start your own thing. Go and help out and even get other people involved. Rally the troops up to help you. Littlest things will get people involved. And engagement is huge for veterans. It's huge for mental health. Get them involved in something. And if you're not a veteran and you know a veteran, drag them along with you. Get them out there. That's the biggest way we can help especially with mental health. And, you know, as I would say on that note, if folks want to get involved in Swim with a Mission uh, or Hidden Battles, you know, our website is swam.org, S-W-A-M.org. Uh, we could always use more volunteers or, you know, if folk ha folks have some extra change lying around and they want to make a gift, we'll happily take that as well or both. But uh, it really does take a lot of people. And being that proverbial pebble in the pond that creates those ripples uh, I can't tell you how this journey has changed the life of, of my wife and I and our kids and our family and our friends in the most positive way, because every little thing we give, we get back tenfold. It's, it's just the most incredible thing and inspires us to want to do more. But Scott, give your website as well. So you can find us at hiddenbattlesfoundation.org, or you can just Google Hidden Battles and it'll bring you to all of our social media ties. Excellent. Well, thank you both so much. This has been very eye-opening and uh, we look forward to keeping in touch with you. Yeah, Scott and Phil, thank you for a great conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Keep up all the great work. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. Same goes to you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you, everybody. Stay safe.